Well, hello there and welcome back to another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. Thank you for joining us wherever you are around the world or around Australia. Your continued support means the world as we continue to bring you interviews and golf information from around the world with people who love golf about their golf. Joining us this week, we have featured guest, Mr. Dan Baitup. Dan is the founder and director of Golf Business Australia, which is Australia's leading provider of insurance services to the golf industry. And he's a fellow self-professed golf tragic. If you're in the golf industry and need some insurance, well, Dan is the man to chat to. Scott Carter is on board to co-host as we run through the week that was in the world of tournament golf and the week ahead, which is a huge week which sees the start of the FedEx Cup playoff series and the final major of the year, the AIG British Women's Open. Yes, another packed show. Look, I have a favour to ask. If you are a regular listener or a new listener to My Love of Golf, well, of course, we really appreciate the time that you take to listen. What always helps the podcast greatly, especially for all of the listeners on the Apple platform, is if you can rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on that platform. That would be an awesome help. As we move into this very important next phase of the My Love of Golf podcast. So let's get into it. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. See you then. Gentlemen, welcome back to this week's episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for uh, joining us again. Scott Carter in the co-host seat. How are you this yeah, week, again. mate? How are you, mate? Good, thank you, Roscoe. Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Back again, uh, back for another ride. Mate, uh, I appreciate every time you do come back again, and I'm glad when you do say, yeah, I'll come back again, uh, because it really is helping uh, keep this ship on the straight and narrow, and I do appreciate it. Uh, I'm sure you've got some uh, golf stories of the week uh, to tell to tell the listeners who love following on your golf adventures, um, so we'll get back to that. I do want to introduce our special uh, guest co-host, our guest appearance, um, and one of Australia's great people in the golf industry, probably a name that you haven't heard of, but does great things for many of the businesses in the golf industry. It's Dan Baitup from Golf Business Australia. Dan Baitup, welcome to the My Love of Golf podcast. How are you, Dan? Good, mate. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here and uh, talk about our great game with uh, the viewers. And I've watched My Love of Golf or listened to My Love of Golf for quite a while now. And uh, yeah, excited to get to call up and have a go uh, as co-host tonight. Well, it was only a matter of time. It wasn't. It wasn't uh, if it was just when. And uh, you know, you are an avid, avid golf uh, tour lover. It's the pointy end of the tour season, of course. We're into the uh, FedEx playoff season there, so there's no one better to be talking to because I know you're very, very uh, attached to your golf. And uh, so it's great to have you here. But more importantly, you know, I mentioned there at the start that the listeners who know the golf industry and all the personnel is that float around the Australian golf industry might not know your name, but I said that you do provide a very special service in the golf industry. Tell us a little bit about Golf Business Australia uh, and well, tell us about yourself first, but tell us about Golf Business Australia and, and who you help and what you do. Yeah, sure. Thanks, uh, mate. I appreciate that. Well, look, it's uh, been an industry that I've been involved with for only a short amount of time compared to some, but uh, it, we basically, like you said, we provide insurance solutions to the Australian golf industry. Uh, been an insurance broker, general insurance broker for going on 17 years now. And for 10 of those, I worked as an insurance broker and serviced a, a wide variety of industries providing insurance solutions and advice to those industries. And it wasn't until I started to look at business opportunities that my mentor at the time suggested to uh, maybe give uh, golf and the golf industry uh, some thought and whether or not I wanted to specialise in providing my uh, experience and expertise in, in insurance and, and apply that to golf. So we launched Golf Business Australia at the inaugural Golf Business Forum in 2016. 
that was run by Guy Chapel at Well Played Golf. And, you know, it was the perfect platform to launch a business and get some exposure to the golf industry. Uh, up until that stage, we were providing insurance cover to primarily golf clubs and, and golf courses. But after we attended the golf business forum, we realized that the industry was much, much more vast, wider, broader. And we started to connect with different people in the industry. And, and I've got to say, I, I've, I've never felt more embraced by an industry. It was just, you know, from, from young to old, everyone was happy to take, take a phone call or have a coffee and, and talk about their business. And, you know, thankfully it was a, a good transition uh, having that uh, mutual love for the game of golf. And before you know it, you know, we were proudly insuring and, and providing peace of mind to golf businesses from all walks of the game in Australia. So seven years on, we're, yeah, we're very proud to, to support the Australian golf industry with their insurance needs. Um, now we continue to grow and we've just, you know, we've just put on a young golf professional as a, uh, a startup, someone that uh, is doing what they can to make it on tour and also uh, giving them exposure to corporate golf in Australia. So we like to think we're giving back a little bit as well, but um, at the end of the day, it's about covering people's golf businesses and protecting their livelihood. Mate, we've done a great job uh, in, you know, helping a lot of the businesses, but you've done also a great job in marketing, you know, your business. You know, you've got a great newsletter and it's not just about insurance and the importance of insurance for golf businesses, but you give a lot of information and probably that's where uh, you first popped up onto our radar because you did a, a podcast uh Australian golf podcast sort of ranking and, and we were up there and uh, I was really did appreciate it. And that's where, you know, we um, sort of connected from that moment on and we've had a game of golf down. You see PK in the, in the background there in the uh, in the um, the Zoom screen there. So that's where we had our first game of golf and that was great fun. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a great marketing job that you do to, I guess, you know, put some interest around the importance of insurance. Now, insurance... Personally speaking, I insure a business, I insure two businesses and a house and all the other things that we all insure. For many, it's like that time of the year when it's another bill, but it is so important. Now, you have probably covered many businesses that have had insurance incidents. What what are the sorts of things that you've had to you know work with some of your clients on getting through and some of the challenges and, and the importance of insurance because you know there's some you know, from fires in in um, greenkeeping sheds and club sheds to floods and all that sort of thing. What what are some of the things that stand out and which really amplify the importance of insurance? Yeah, that's right. Look, you know, I'll be the first to admit it's not the sexiest subject, but um, you know, it's a necessary evil, and, and everyone, you know, has some form of insurance in their life. Um, yeah, we we make sure that the advice that we give at at the time of placing the insurance is is the right advice and it's the right cover because you know. Bad things happen. Uh, unforeseen things happen, and that's why we have insurance uh, in the event of. Um, and it's you know uh, basically if, if someone is to to assume that it, you know, insurance is one of those things that it's just a facet of business that doesn't need the attention. Well, you only got to look at the the harsh Australian you know, climate that we have. We've experienced bushfires. Uh, we've had you know floods you, and, and storms that have decimated golf clubs and, and businesses. So. You know, we recently ran a video, uh, the Golf Bunker in Queensland. It's um, one of our uh, key offerings is what we call the Golf Technology Insurance Scheme. So we provide insurance, uh, an exclusive insurance package to businesses that 
utilize golf technology. I know we had Luke Elvey on uh, a few episodes ago and Luke spoke about his simulator business. So we insure upwards of 30, 40 simulator businesses across the country, but every golf business, every business has a specific risk profile. So we're providing to those businesses, you know, what are the risk profiles and uh, and what do we need to ensure for, for say, Zach Chipperfield at the uh, at the golf bunker? And, and one day Zach called us early in the morning because it's never a good call when it's early in the morning to an insurance broker because it's typically something's happened. Um, and look, Zach walked into his business. Actually, he was alerted to the uh, the flood inside his golf simulator business from a burst pipe in the, the property above. Uh, he was under a few inches of water. The simulators were, were cactus. And, um, you know, Zach's thinking, what do I do? You know, you know first call yeah, to the people to make sure that everything's switched off and that everything's made safe. Second call for probably his insurance broker to start the process of making a claim. So, you know, but, but in addition to the loss that he sustained through the damage, through the, the lost track man devices that are, you know, 30 grand to go, um, projectors and computers and all that uh, technology that basically uh, needs to be, thrown away uh, was the fact that we had business interruption insurance for Zach. So it allowed that peace of mind that Zach knew that he had that continuity of business, even though, you know, customers weren't able to come in and, and enjoy the simulators and, and get their, get their golf fix. So yeah, it's uh that's one of, one of a few examples, you know, we, we have had uh, flood damage losses, um, pro shop owners that again, can't open their business because courses have been, unplayable for for weeks on end um and and fires we saw a couple of like you said uh, machinery shed fires um lithium battery golf carts these days are presenting a real risk they self-combust and uh yeah there's a lot of uh, risk management done around what we do as well we we like to think we're not just the reaction to the problem we're also the solution to to any of those problems before they happen so um yeah look we, we have had some some um, stories of, of clients in pretty hard places, um, you know, deaths on golf courses, sadly, uh, they, they do occur, trees fall, uh, golf balls hit people. It's, you know, it, it can happen. And, and look, we don't want to scare people into taking out, you know, more insurance that they need to, but at the end of the day, uh, you, you want to be able to sleep easy at night, particularly if you're a business owner or responsible for, for a business and, and people at that business. So, yeah, like I said, we're we're proud to be involved with the golf industry, and we're you know the little bit that we the little part that we play, and um, you know we're excited to continue growing our business and, and assisting those golf businesses that are out there. But um, we'll keep doing that. And uh, the golf pros as individuals, do they require insurance? Yeah, you know, I can imagine that they need public liability insurance and other insurances. Um, maybe the PGA membership provides some of that but are there individual insurances that people should look at as well that working in and around the golf industry yeah always um you know we, we i mentioned a young pro that we've put on at golf business australia and you know he's traveling to events trying to earn his card and you know we we talk about the risks to to him doing that uh, getting injured he, in actual fact uh, i should mention i won't bother to mention his name because he didn't know i was going to mention him on the, on this show but he was at the Western Australian PGA, I believe, and he suddenly started to feel uh, strange down his right side uh, after hitting you know, a few drives earlier that day. And he was out on the course and he thought it was just one of those things that he could shake off. And 
after a while, he just couldn't continue. And it turned out he had a blood clot in his neck. And this guy's only 27 years old. So, you know, we, we look at those types of insurances for, for personal reasons. And, uh, you know, that uh, everyone's pretty familiar with travel insurance, but we have what's called corporate travel insurance. So that so a professional golfer who earns their living traveling and playing golf would be able to take out an annual corporate travel insurance policy to cover uh, medical expenses, uh, baggage, lost baggage. We've all seen golf clubs go missing or get damaged in, in transit. So, yeah, there's certainly uh, individual covers for professional golfers. I'm still waiting calls from uh, the likes of Lucas Herbert, Adam Scott and Jason Day for their uh, income protection uh, insurance or uh, insurance in general. But um, I think those guys, are, you know, maybe they're a bit, bit too busy trying to to make the big bucks out there. So, so a golf pro on tour could should seriously, you know, really review all of their insurances and all of the cover that they have for themselves as a business. Yeah, well, we have what's called a uh, fixed uh, personal accident policy, and basically, it's it's a sum of money because these guys aren't guaranteed to make money on tour every week. But you know, they they could have something as innocuous as a car accident, which rules them out for six months, so they're not playing any of those events. So they still want to make a living or they, they expected to make a living by applying their trade as a, as a golfer. But, you know, being unable to do that, well, yes, there's insurance that, that covers those unforeseen uh, situations. But I wouldn't say it's routinely taken up by a lot of golf professionals, uh, something that's maybe overlooked. But, um, and yeah, you're right. With the PGA, a lot of them would have insurances for their own liabilities, but not so much for their own personal loss. So uh, there's a gap there for sure. And you know, if there are golf pros out there that are concerned about that, uh, you know, guaranteeing making money on tour, and, and if if that's not possible, you know, whether or not insurance is is an option. And um, yeah, because you know, sometimes just like uh, this young guy that's joined Golf Business Australia. The strangest things can happen and it can really have a big impact on your life. Yeah. Well, it's, as I said, it's something that you can never pay enough attention to. And, you know, I know every time that I've looked at the various things and you and I have spoken about, you know, some of the insurances that I have to maintain here for, you know, all this gear and et cetera. And, um, you know, I was surprised when I went to calculate all the gear that just involved in putting on the podcast, um, taking photos, doing the drum and golf video stuff. It was far more gear in dollars than I'd really mentally put into my head. Um, so it was a real wake up call for me. Um, just making sure that I was appropriately insured. Um, interesting. Can you, you mentioned Lucas Herbert and, uh, the guys that are on tour in the U S um, you know, and their income loss, uh, insurance. Can you underwrite people overseas? Does it cut, you know, can you do that or is it just Australian based and yeah. You know, yeah. We're, we're Australian-based. It's all, you know, governed and, and basically locally written insurance. If they wanted that sort of insurance, wherever they're based, they'd probably need to get it yeah. from, from that country. It's it's easy. It would be an easier uh, way of obtaining that anyway. But uh, hopefully their managers are out there doing uh, what they need to to get them that protection because, yeah, you would hate to hear of something. Uh, happening to any one of them which meant that their golf career didn't continue because we all love watching them and uh, they're great personalities and uh, look it's just it is one one insignificant thing to them insurance but uh, who knows you know who knows who it's going to help at the end of the day and and if us common folk have it then maybe yeah the uh, elitist golf uh, 
players should also consider having that insurance. Well, mate, if you start offering a um, podcast, a golf podcast insurance policy, um, you know the the fee isn't that that much, um, but um, I really do need to take a little bit of ownership and a clip through every uh, podcast insurance that comes out of this interview. All right. Yeah, I got you covered. Yeah, great. Thanks. Hey, uh, <laughs> Scott. I mentioned at the start you've probably got a couple of golf stories. You've probably, you know, been been on the precipice of forty two points and turned that into a thirty eight or something like that. Anything to report from the uh, world of Scots golf? Yeah, that's usually the trajectory that it takes. But hey, just before that, um, I, I've got some stories, but nothing, nothing in that, uh, nothing worth talking about. But Dan, do you? You're in the insurance game, so do you? Uh, what do you know about Anthony Kim? Like, we, I'm sure Anthony Kim had some uh, pretty good medical insurance that he, uh, that he kind of enacted, and as the rumor goes, like took out the the. Uh, yeah, whatever it was, medical insurance that meant that he couldn't play again. He had to rule himself kind of out. Do you know any inside word on any of that, mate? I don't, but I've, I've followed that story as well. And uh, it's fascinating you know, to me that that someone that goes on medical leave from, from golf and, and decides not decides or doesn't return, you know, who knows the, the actual truth. But, yeah, yeah, at the end of the day, I guess it's it's he's been his decision or to, to take the path that he's taken and uh, – you know, we, we love golf and we, you know, we haven't played it at a professional level as far as I'm aware. I know Roscoe stripes it uh, as good as, as good as many uh, on tour, but uh, yeah, Anthony Kim, but um, I'd love to see him back. Uh, I think yeah. everyone would just or would love to know what happened, but yeah, um, yeah, maybe he's, he's found himself a quiet place out there and he's happy and he's got all he needs to uh, sail off into the sunset. Yeah, be great, great story once he surfaces again, whenever that would be. I mean, surely he's gonna he's gonna uh, come out of the woodwork at some point. But um, but yeah, fascinating story. Well, we I can't him. remember. There was oh, I can't remember the uh, tour professional's name, but he he did get a debilitating illness on the PGA Tour recently, and he tried to make a comeback. Ah, I've just his name escapes me, but. Um, he, um, yeah, I think he came back for one or two tournaments and he went on some extreme diet. Yeah, did everything yeah. right. Yeah, Eric Anders Lane played golf with him and interviewed him. And that, yeah, I remember, I can't, again, I can't remember his name either. Yeah, but uh, again, look, he never expected that. And, you know, he's no longer on the tour and, you know, I'm not sure what he's doing with his life, but I'm hoping that he had some form of insurance so that, mm. you know, when this came out and, you know, illnesses, they don't discriminate. And, Yes, yep. for, sadly for this fellow, he's uh, he's now not playing golf anymore, as far as I know. Yeah, very good, uh, Dan. Just we'll put the notes in the show notes and all that sort of thing. But where do people get in contact with you if they realise after listening to this that they are incredibly underinsured, underinsured, sorry, and uh, want to get in contact with you? Yeah, so it's www.golfbusinessaustralia.com.au um, or info at golfbusinessaustralia.com.au. Uh, feel free to get in touch. Uh, how big or small the, the, the golf insurance matter. Um, you know, we, we insure individual golfers with golf carts at uh, rural courses all the way through to some of, you know, Australia's biggest uh, golf clubs and, and businesses providing um, things to our game. So, yeah, please feel free to get in touch if you've got any questions about your club or your business's insurance if it uh, relates to golf. Well, as you can tell, uh, Dan is one of the most straight up and down uh, golf mad 
people that you'll deal with. So um, you can highly recommend uh, getting in touch with him. The service is great. He gets straight back to you. He gives you all the information you want. Whether you whether you end up going through with it or not, you know, you, you're well advised to um, seek out a golf-specific quote there with Dan. But Dan, you're really here to give us, you know, this detailed information about sitting at home, watching the tour, betting on the tour. You know, um, you've got a couple of great stories. We'll go back to Scott for a second. Scott, you must have some golf story from the weekend, you know, from last week's golf. Uh, it did play an interesting um, competition last Wednesday, Roscoe. So it was a, a, a two-ball Ambrose. So um, both tee off, picked the best shot, and both hit from best location. So that's always a bit of fun. Um, played it with a totally random guy, which can be fun or might not be fun, but he, he was a good guy. Um, and what we had, I think we had even with the card off the stick, so um, which is nowhere near good enough in, in that kind of uh, event, but with the high handicappers shooting kind of low 60s but uh no it was it was good fun i enjoy a little kind of two ball ambrose or four ball ambrose every now and then um but yeah we've had three three team events in the last four weeks i think it is at the club so it's all it's a bit too kind of crammed for mine in terms of the scheduling roscoe but um but yeah no uh, out there tomorrow um actually another four ball team event there we go that's interesting because it's fairly random. I know the, the teams to me that the clubs sort of throw them in because like it, almost like filling out a calendar, they go, oh, what can we put in there? Or mm. we haven't had a, a two-person Ambrose or a scramble. Let's put that in. Oh, yeah, great tick. And then it goes back to uh, stable for stable, stable stroke, par, stable for stable, stable for par, stroke, you know, that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, and you, you end up playing these events at corporate events for, you know, where you have a bogey on the last hole to lose the whole shooter and then you the person that invited you gets a shits with you because you didn't you didn't care that you finished second. And then we, I told you about that the other week. I told you about that you the did. other week. Yeah. And the still first, salty about it, Roscoe. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. It wasn't my fault. I, I he he didn't take my shot. I said I can hit this over the tree, or around the tree, as long as I can as long as I can see the green. Um, I think we've got a shot. And uh, no, Roscoe, we'll go back. 40 metres back down there because old Bob's shot over there from the bunker where you can't see the green. These two blokes have been hitting snap hooks all day and there's a tree on the right. I said, you've got to snap, you've got to snap hook it in front of the tree to miss the green on the left here. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, 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 we, this is better. No, I can't play that shot. Okay. Anyway, we lost. Um, all we got was emails from us going, well, the second place prizes were better than the first place prizes anyway. So um, anyway, but, but you're right. You know, 20, I think we had like, 10 under or something like that and 11, yeah. 11 under won it. Um, Dan, yeah. what about up where, where you play? You, where do you remember? Monash. you remember at Monash? Monash yeah. Golf Club, yeah. How's Monash going up there? It's good. It's turned a corner recently. Um, have an HM, uh, you know, members, yeah, they are the owners of golf clubs and uh, they demanded a few uh, changes there. So we've, no, they've turned a real corner. Look, uh, the rain that we got here through El Nino, El Nino it, it really... Uh, smashed us in Sydney, I'm sure, on the eastern seaboard. But there was a lot of time there that the green stuff couldn't do much. And um, it, got, it got a bit long in the tooth. And, we, and when we did eventually have our AGM, it was like, well, we need to get this course back into its best condition. And, and it's been really good since. Uh, I play every Wednesday with some really talented golfers. And, uh, you know, they play around the country. And, they, you know, they're proud to call Monash home. So um, looking forward to playing with a plus two and a plus four market tomorrow. And, uh yeah, probably just take my twenty bucks like they do every other week. But um, yeah, it's it's going well. It's what do you play up there? Uh, four. Yep. He's, he's, yeah. he's sharp. He's sharp. He's very sharp out there. It's almost there. a super group, uh, Roscoe. Almost super group yeah. with those kind of handicaps. That's quality. 
But I, I play I play off four once every ten rounds. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, that's 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 a kind of four marker I. Uh, loves a bit so, of the ping. Loves a bit of the ping product. Very much of a, a ping uh, fan is uh, Dan. Okay, yeah. Uh, ping I driver. I don't mind shelling out the twenty bucks. You know, when you get the watch quality of plus four, plus two, and and etc. And if you're going to lose, like, uh, not to say that I'm not competitive, but that's like free entertainment for me. Like twenty bucks, you pay twenty bucks for entertainment like that all day long to see these young. Hopefully, they're young fellas. Um, yeah, you know, not hopefully the young fellas, but you know what I mean. Uh, they're young fellas going off and doing their thing. Any golfers of note? on the tour from out of the Monash at the moment that we need yeah, to Yeah, well, the golfer I mentioned is Nathan Barberi. Oh, yeah. Barberi. So, yeah. Yeah, so he's a really talented golfer. I played with him last week. Here's the story. First tee shot, he, you know, he drives at a million miles, but he's hit this uh, drive straight down the first, par five, and the ball's gone, you know, straight 300 metres, but the driver head went, went straight behind it about 50 metres, and I... He snapped it off, clean snapped the, the driver off at the uh, the bottom of the base of the club. And, you know, we're all looking around. He said, oh, at least it went straight 300, you know, odd metres. And I said, yeah, but what are you going to do without your driver? And he said, oh, I'll just hit three wood all day. And he proceeded to hit three wood all day and still shoot the lights. And, uh, you know, he, he said he's ordered a new Titleist. It'll be here in a couple of days. But uh, he was most concerned about the shaft. It must have been one of these special shafts, Roscoe, that I don't don't have access to but he said they don't make them anymore so he was hoping that it wasn't compromised uh, well if it snapped it's fairly compromised in in <laughs> the, it was it was the the fural the down the bottom yeah the, yeah, yeah yeah which it, it snapped so the the shaft was okay and the head was fine but in inside the head it, uh, it had come off the fural had snapped so really he was able to screw it out and the shaft was all good but i'll, I'll get to see him tomorrow and okay. see if he yeah, interesting. That sounds interesting. Updated it, but yeah, he's a really uh, talented player out of Monash. Um, obviously, been hope, waiting for him to win the big one or win a win a tournament of note. Uh, but then there's young Geordie Mackay who also plays with us, and he's you know trying to force his way onto the Australasian tour as well, and you know get their cards. Both of them um, products of Monash, uh, following the footsteps of Cam Davis. Absolutely. Uh, a great performance from Cam Davis last week. He's obviously one of the two Australians in the uh, FedEx final series or in the seven, and then made the top 70 uh, cut there. Um, just back to the Monash guys, Nathan Barbieri is a fantastic golfer. You know, I went to quite a few events this year and, you know, I don't know Nathan, but, you know, I know him well enough to say day to and um, that that sort of thing and a couple of Sydney guys that we do know. So by association, I was in sort of watching those guys quite closely and he's a sensational golfer got quite almost almost there in a few events last year you know like poked his head at the top end of the leaderboard you know just needs to get that next step there and you know get one of these top three order of merits and i'm sure he's not far away and he's a quality golfer love the way he wears his cap yeah. Just, I, I don't know what it is, but I'm just always fascinated by it. just sitting on top of the head there, nice and proud. Just wears it a little bit differently. Um, I like it. Now, Dan, yeah. um, we'll keep talking about you for a second because there's always a few things that pe- we don't know about people. I've worn my um, special colours for tonight's podcast. Um, can you can you explain what special colours I've got on and why? The Hibernian colours. Oh, no, of- no, no, no. Yeah. I know. I'm not the Hibernian colours. Yeah, you're yeah, yeah, you're yeah. winding me up. I'm not, that's my job. I wind the other people up. Ah, uh, right. Okay. I've got the maroon and white on. Why have I got the maroon and white on? Mate, I don't know. You tell me. Heart of Midlothian. 
Oh, well, there you go. Oh, Hibs, sorry, yes. No, that was the one. Sorry, I got the name wrong. Of course I did. Hearts. Let's start Hearts, that again. Why have, I, why have I got the maroon and white gear on? The Hearts, Is not that... the Hibs. Yes. I thought you were trying to wind me up there. No, the, I, yeah, I was lost there for a minute, but no, Hearts, yes. Well done. Top of the table. Equal top. Uh, uh, you're a Celtic man, but, you know, you have a background in football. You were, you were fairly good at football. What was your footballing prowess and what was, where did that game take you? Oh, look, yeah, short-lived career, but it took me from, all the way from Dubbo to uh, to Scotland, to England, uh, Switzerland, and, and back home again. But, um, yeah, played at a reasonably good level. Uh, enjoyed playing with some really talented soccer players, soccer-roos such as Mark Milligan, Alex Wilkinson. Um, and, and those guys, you know, went on to have really, really good careers. And, you know, it was great to be able to watch them do what they did. Um, I guess my claim to fame, I spent some time at... Uh, Walsall Football Club in the in England's Midlands and uh, played alongside Paul Merson for a, a brief time. So, uh, player, well-known player of the 80s, 90s, English player, and you know, even in the twilight days of his career, he was uh, a phenomenal uh, talent. And, um, yeah, look, it, it was wonderful to be able to get me to the point I'm at today. I, I wouldn't be living in Sydney had I not uh, got out of, you know, country Dubbo town and uh, followed a, a career in soccer and... Um, yeah, once that uh, had been exhausted, I came back and played a little bit in Australia, but realised I was ready for something else. And uh, yeah, insurance, uh, as uh, as as we all do, we, I fell into the the industry, but um, it led me to golf, and here I am, uh, you know, enjoying something else, uh, another sport that I am very uh, fond of and have a passion for. Who did you play football for in Sydney? Northern Spirit Football Club. Yeah, yeah back in the old NSL days, so I spent some time in the youth league there. And, um, yeah, again, the likes of Craig Foster were there at the time. Um, yeah, Robbie Slater, Graham Arnold. So, yeah, it was um, all these people that are still involved with soccer and it's great to watch. And I've been right into the Women's World Cup. I've seen a few matches with my family. So, yeah, I, I certainly still enjoy uh, soccer. It's uh, you know, one of those sports that will never leave me. But, um, yeah, I spend most of my time in the golf industry now. Uh, Favourite teams? Who, who do you follow in football? Liverpool, um, yeah, uh, I've got a dog called Gerard after, you know, Liverpool's best, Stephen Gerard. He's a French bulldog. And, uh, yeah, look, the whole family, we're, we're big Liverpool fans. Uh, don't ask me why. I just took a, a liking to them in the 90s with Steve McManaman and Robbie Fowler and the like, and it's just continued. So uh, Sydney FC in the local A-League, I'll always be a Sydney FC boy. Uh, when they when the A-League started, Dwight York, Steve Corica. Uh, yeah, so uh, they'd be my two two clubs that I'd, I'd support more staunch than others. Uh, the reason why you said Hibs when I when I had the maroon and white because we were talking about Hibs off air and we were talking about one of the players who is a mad golf lover uh, and just recently left uh, Sydney FC and is now at Hibernian, Adam LaFondra. Uh, won't be listening to this, but Adam LaFondra, uh, g'day, and uh, scored a goal on the weekend, a fantastic goal uh, for Hibernian in their 3-2 loss to St Mirren. Um, but... There is, there's a number of footballers that uh, love their golf and uh, we should, you, you need to find some of the guys in Sydney that love their golf and I'll find some of the guys in Melbourne that love the golf. We should, you know, have a little yeah. football A-League competition sponsored by uh, Golf Business Australia. There you go. That's a good idea. Um, very For good. sure. Uh, Scott, what, uh, what, um, what did we have tournament-wise last weekend that we need to talk about? You know, I pretty much... Got my circadian rhythm off to the worst possible start for the working week by staying up to 2am to watch Celine Boutier oh, did go, go back-to-back 
Yeah, that was a good was, win. Oof, sensational. Well, I was I was enthralled because you know I was reliving basically my holiday to Scotland this time last year where I mm. played golf at Dundonald, as I said last week, the week before the Women's Open. I was basically the last public player to play the course before it got closed for the Scottish Women's Open last year. So it was great to see the holes go, oh, yeah, that's – I remember where I was over there and you could see where things were coming up, all the things you do when you've played a course that's on TV. Yeah, I love but, it. But watching Celine Boutier play um, – uh, it was a masterclass in how to win a tournament. You know, she didn't really put a foot wrong. She only – had two under to finish 15 under to win by two, but um, you know she just did what yeah. she had to do to put the pressure to the players chasing her, and in the end it sort of worked because um, some of the players around Amaya Stark, you know, just one under but just couldn't quite get the the break that she needed, and um, yeah, I, I always get this pronunciation wrong. Huju Kim uh, with her bung Achilles was in the clubhouse after shooting seven under. She was limping. She yeah. was limping like th on every shot and she shot seven under and she was in the clubhouse at 13 under. Um, but Celine Boutier did not falter over the closing stages, just made a very sensible par on the last and made sure she got in the clubhouse and uh, got the champagne shower. It was just great to see her go yeah. back to back. Um, yeah, third, third win of the year. And um, I think she she bogeyed 14 and 16. So, like, she uh, – but then she really kept her head. So, kind of a little bit of a stumble, but she had such a great lead that it didn't really make any difference. But um, true class there to keep her head and, and get that back-to-back -back win. Um, yeah, third win of the year. She's sitting on top of uh, just about all the, all the bloody lists for the year. So, heading into um, what is the last major of the year uh, in pretty good form. Um, with back-to-back -back wins and, yeah, I don't know. Um, might be able to go three from three, Roscoe, but... Um... Un unlikely, but you would never... You would have put very high odds on her going back-to-back. -back. Yeah. So, you know, if you can go back-to-back, -back, you can go three from three. And so she's playing well, you know, coming into the women's British, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, Paddy Tavitaniket was the other one that uh, really was sort of firing along there and putting some pressure on her and then just let it slip away. I did see a hole in one and you're talking about uh, talking about sort of, um, you know, almost like deja vu moments. Uh, I can't remember the par three. It's maybe on the back nine. I remember playing it. Um, Maya Stark had a hole in one and looked great off the face. And when I played the hole, I think the pin was in pretty much the same spot and she's landed it near the bunker. And as soon as it start, started rolling, I was, I've, could sit. I said, this is going in the hole. And it like rolled and went in the hole. And it was like, ooh. Because I had that putt. I had that putt from the other way, from way down the back of the green, and rolled it pretty much to where it landed and then putted it back. And um, yeah. it, was a great, it was great to see a hole-in-one live. And you don't get to see too many users on repeat, but uh, it was awesome. Um, did, you, did you get to see any of the Scottish women's, Dan? Mate, I didn't, but I just had a quick look at the results. Uh, it looks like Steph Kiriakou had a reasonable finish, 13th. Um, yeah. Now for the Aussies, so yeah, it's good to see her. She's a, a great talent out of uh, New South Wales, I believe, as well. So yeah, looking forward to her um, continuing to rise on the, the women's tour. Yeah, she's had a good year. She's been playing well. I I fancy uh, Steph Kiriakou for this week, and as you know, when we get to talking about the AOG Women's Open, I do fancy her as the top Aussie this week. She she loves. Um, well, I can't categorically say she loves it, but from what I can gather, she enjoys playing on that sort of firm and fast links type of golf. She yeah. doesn't mind letting the ball, you know, use the ground. And obviously that's what's required at Walton Heath as well. Um, 
Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see her. Sarah Kemp um, got in the clubhouse yeah. at um, nine under, so good to see her play. Yeah. Um, and see, Minji started with an 80 in round one yeah. and uh, came home 66, 68, 66. So, um, so there's a good finish for Minji, turning it around. Okay. Um, so that's the Scottish women's. Great to see Celine Beauty back to back. Um, the Wyndham, you guys would have been... So I do, Dan. I I did the late night shifts at the Scottish Women's Open and stayed up to two a.m. to watch it finish. But and then get in the car and drive into the city, and I sort of missed the end of the the Wyndham. So, uh, who watched the Wyndham close off out of you two guys? Yeah, yeah. I saw I saw a little bit of the Wyndham, but yeah, um, Dan, why don't you go ahead, mate? Yeah, I had eyes on it. Um, I took a few took a few runners with my uh, my friend Cole the Butcher. I was telling uh, Roscoe earlier. There's a, an old gentleman that frequents the RSL club next door to my work and he lost his wife a few years ago and uh, he's just had a double knee um, reconstruction so he uh, he spends his weekends uh, not doing a lot so we found a mutual love for golf and uh, I often head in there before the week's uh, tournament kicks off and we throw down a few names and you know, I, I do a bit of research each week on uh, the America tour and um, try to find some some juicy odds for him. So this week we did take uh, Lucas Glover, yeah. and um, so yeah, we were both watching uh, the conclusion, which was weather interrupted on Monday morning here in Australia. And uh, yeah, yeah, he, he got there in the end. So and it was a fantastic week. I, you know, he was clearly emotional. He's been on tour grinding it for a long time. Uh, yeah. Major winner. You know, I think he's an all round good guy and, and, and a deserved winner. He's been playing really well. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's been, as you say, working hard for the last couple of years, and uh, he's definitely had his troubles with the with the putter. But um, yeah, some controversy around him uh, anchoring. I mean, I saw some footage that was suggesting he was anchoring, but I couldn't see any uh, on the one shot that I've seen. But I think it's a little bit, a little bit unfair on Lucas. Um, to say that he's anchoring from that footage, but uh, but yeah, great, great as, as you said, mate. Super emotional with his family there, and you can see what it meant um, for him and his family. Did you hear his little boy <laughs> calling out to him a couple of times? Dad, you won, you won. It's like <laughs> yeah. uh, that was, it was very cool, very cool. It, it was cool, and look, he's found his putter because he yeah. did have some real troubles with that, and we're talking years of, of poor putting. So, yeah, um, you know, his ball striking's always been amazing. Uh, and he's just, you know, he doesn't mind mixing it with the younger guys on the tour. And, uh, yeah, his results were trending. So yeah. if you listen to out there, there was definitely talk of him breaking through. So I'm yep. glad myself and Cole the Butcher from the RSL were, uh, were in his corner. Yeah, there's, totally. There's three parts of that story, maybe four, that I love. So Lucas Glover being an older statesman on tour you know, I don't exactly know how he, how old Lucas is uh, he's be, be certainly in his 40s um, so always going to support the older guys uh, on tour uh, the fact that he's been struggling with his putting and he can then break through and get a win uh, I feel I feel that my breakthrough win must be you know on the horizon if Lucas Glover can battle with his putting for all those years and then get, still get a win into his 40s well Hopefully my time will come soon, not on tour, but you know, down at Peninsula Kingswood in the back on the 18th, celebrating there and waving off to no one. Little um, fist pump. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but I think probably the most uh, enjoyable part of that whole story is you know the Cole, the butcher, uh, and yeah. you and Cole at the uh, is it the Avalon RSL? Avalon RSL, Avalon, yeah. Avalon RSL, like uh, tell me if tell me a better vision to have in your mind of sitting there like mm. Avalon RS, RSL 
you know, if you're listening to uh, this in the UK, the States, we've got a few people to listen to over there. Just think about Summer Bay. That's where that's the basis of uh, Avalon is where Summer Bay really is. And um, you know, sitting out looking out over the bay at Avalon RSL with a schooner in your hand, talking about some golf, putting on a winning bet. How good is that, uh, Cole? Um, yeah. Well done. Yeah, yeah, he's a great personality. Everyone, Avalon's a pretty small community, but everyone knows Cole the Butcher from his days at the butcher shop. And, you know, he perches himself up on a chair and he, he watches, you know, the races during the day, but it's it's the golf on the weekend. And, uh, you know, if I can bring a little bit uh, of joy to his weekend, and particularly if he's got a runner that's uh, in the hunt come Sunday, um, yeah, sort of, you know, we're sharing that love of golf, aren't we, Roscoe? We are. Now, you do follow your golf betting you are you know i'm not um you know we don't really talk about the betting part of it here but you can talk about your love of uh, golf and, and how you like having a betting but more importantly you know your following of the form what what do you do what are you what's your weekly sort of process for finding you know these runs and these winners and and making these uh bets with yourself and cole when you're tipping him the good ones yeah i'm just i'm just listening to the the, the guys out there that are actually doing the work um you know i've, I've like you mentioned earlier, we did a blog on uh, the podcast that Golf Business Australia likes to, to watch each week or listen to each week. You know, we've got our friends at the Tour Junkies that, you know, regularly bring us, you know, really cutting-edge content, um, statistics. And, you know, uh, you just go with your gut feel at the end of the day. Like, they, you know, we do like to see uh, the underdog get up, like the Lucas Glover and, you know, the, the shorter guys, the favourites, it's it's never something, I don't know, maybe it's the Australian in, in me, but we do like to see um, the unfavoured players, you know, break through and have that, that story uh, for the back page. But, um, yeah, look, it's my my research into into any golf betting form of golf fantasy. Uh, you know, I played fantasy golf on the PGA website. I, I just enjoy that side of, of golf and it gives me... A, a greater interest in, in what's happening and if my players are doing well or not well. But, uh, yeah, it's certainly looking at, like, for instance, this week, you know, distance isn't a premium at um, at St. Jude. It's it's more about accuracy. So you sort of start to, you know, come down to those players that you think might, might benefit from the course, um, just like we do on Teepster. You know, we all want to be up there with Roscoe at the top of the Teepster board. But sadly for some, we're... Uh, we're down down below, but yeah, you, you want to find that golfer that no one else has sort of thought about to, to break through and, and get a win and, and shoot you up the board. So, yeah, I guess it's just a an interest and a passion trying to work out, you know, who is going to be that week's uh, champion golfer. Do you have a interesting story, you know, like um, like a multi that's come off where you know any anything like that? Usually, you know, those that like to gamble always have some sort of interesting story. My, my, my only interesting uh, gambling story was Melbourne Cup. I think it was Maccabi Diva's last run. And I, and I was given by my boss at the time a mystery trifecta. And all, the, all of my numbers came in. And I, with the money that I won, I went out and I bought myself a set of Ben Hogan golf clubs that I'd always seen on, uh, in the Dubbo Golf Club uh, Pro Shop. There was a poster on the wall. I said, when I get the funds together, I want to buy myself those golf clubs. So I guess that's my betting and uh, golf-related story. I love so it. I love put it. it to good use. 
Now, all, all, all that chatter betting and people doing the work on the data and everything, Roscoe, it'd be remiss of us not to shout out Mike Caridi in this section and say, hey, uh, and, I, and I and I also want to know, Dan, do you have you been missing the data lake? Or I mean, I know that there's access to the data lake now and what Mike's doing, and you know, we, we wish him all the best with that, and uh, it's been good content. But do you miss the data lake, Dan? Yeah, look, I miss any content uh, that I used to get for nothing on the. Uh, on the podcast that I watch and yeah. Mike and I, uh, we've, we've been mates and we, we actually met through one of the podcast uh, chat forums and that led me to my love of golf and he's doing his thing now. And, um, yeah, I'm going to take a look at it and support it. He's a great guy. And, uh, yeah, I'll uh, definitely be looking at the, the data lake, uh, somewhere elsewhere, but it'll be definitely something I factor into my week each week. Yeah. Um, you know, mate, you're gonna get me all upset, guys. You know, but Mike, <laughs> Mike is he's got the three putt, uh, what's the three putt par podcast, three putt par podcast, yeah, three putt podcast. Uh, you can send him an email, um, check it out over there. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. He's into his third or fourth episode. Uh, yep. he's got a guest mug punter on every week, and uh, he has the process there where he, the mug gets uh, three tips and then he gets. He can't have the same tips, obviously. He's got to take three tips, and then if his tips are better than the others, um, if he loses, might put some money in for Lifeline, which is a great initiative. Um, yep. But if you send him an email, he'll send you out all of his uh, computations and data data lake um, uh, resource there, so you can get that if you do like to have a bet on the golf. And um, so, yeah, no, it's I've been listening to Mike. He had uh, one of my former colleagues on from Drummer Golf there uh, as his co-host guest uh, this week. So it's no, good. Yeah, no, he's getting, he's, yeah. he's going well. Um, just finishing off on the Wyndham, obviously for Australian golfers, the chat was around Adam Scott. He was in, he was out, he was in, he was out. Ultimately, he was out. Missed, uh, what did he just. miss? Missed by like a, a place or something like that. Finished maybe a second. shot or something, wasn't yeah. it? Like him and JT were on the same score. Like I, I think, yeah, maybe a stroke or something would have got him there. It was um yeah, geez, he fought hard though. Like it was it his third round? It was a bit average, but um, uh, I think he had uh, what did he go seven under or something in, in round four to come home strong. So yeah, just missed out unfortunately. And so yeah, Roscoe, that leaves the only man standing to still have a perfect record with the playoffs is um, Matt Kucha. Steam shovel. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yep, uh, Adam Scott. He, I think uh, he, he handled it pretty well. And, like, uh, you know, it was reported that he, you know, obviously I don't think he said that he was happy. Well, maybe he did say in a sort of way that he was happy about it because, you know, it gives him an opportunity to reassess what he needs to do to be better next year. And, you know, they're the, they're the sorts of positive, you know, vibes that you want to see and hear coming from, you know, great players. Um, he did say something that, you know, where – and this was what I read, so I didn't hear it from his mouth. But mm. it read as like wherever I end up playing, or whatever tour, whatever tour I'm playing on, or something to that respect. Did anyone mm. else pick up on that? Did you guys pick up on that? No, yeah, maybe I shouldn't no. talk about it too much. But I definitely, definitely read this quote that was like, you know, it'll help me for next year, wherever, whatever tour that I that I'm playing, wherever wherever I'm playing. I just thought, hang on. That's is there something more in that? Because um, he's currently a spokesperson for the. He's on the pack. Yeah. He's yeah. On the pack. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. But um... that whole world continues to evolve. Um, Cam Davis for me. I tipped uh, Cam Davis in the end. I don't know. I I don't think I came clean with a tip 
uh, last week and I genuinely didn't know who I was going to pick at the time of recording. After uh, consultation and computation um, of the heartstrings, I went with uh, Cam Davis basically because he's one of the top players that I had left. Um, and just yeah. the mojo came by Cam Davis's way and T7, he, he won me I think maybe 200,000 bucks and still didn't get me out of third position on Teepster but uh, certainly put me much much closer to the rankings um, with uh, with uh, the golfing tattooist. Um, we may as well talk about Teepster now because we're talking about last week. So yep. golf is an attitude. That's Blakey. We know Blakey. Blakey's about to jump on a plane on Monday and head back off to uh, the International Series at Close House in Newcastle. So he'll be refereeing there for Asian yep. Tour and then uh, also the Asian Tour um, event uh, in Scotland. Yep. Uh, yeah, Asian Tour having an event in Northern England and then Scotland the following week. Yeah. So Blake will be refereeing at both those. Uh, he sits on top. He's 18.6 million. I, it's going to be hard to beat him. But uh, Golfing Tattooers is at 17.9 and I'm at 17.49. Mm. I'm about 800,000 in front of fourth. Um, I don't think fourth can get me. I don't think fourth can get me. So it's really... Oh, I don't know, Roscoe. I don't know, mate. There's three um, three uh, designated events at $20 million purses. The winner's $3.8 million. So, I mean, it, uh, I reckon that anyone from kind of 14, around the 14 zone is still in it. Like, you jag a couple of winners or a first and second, and I think, uh, I think you're still a chance. Because, I mean, unless everyone has been hiding away their big guns... Um, I, I'm not sure many people have some have any left. You know, if anyone's got a Rory or a, or a John Rahm or uh, or you, you know any of those uh, top names, I they're I think they're sitting pretty. Well, it gave me a laugh last week when I did joke about who I had left to pick. You know, Austin Eckroyd. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Ben Griffin. Uh, he's not been doing too bad actually. Uh, Nick Hardy. You know, I've got Nick Hardy still available. Um, Aussie coach. Yeah, uh, Mark Hubbard. I've got my. I've got Mark. No, seriously, you're right. Because uh, I have. If you go through, I've, I've picked Keegan. I've picked Patrick, Corey, Cam, Jason Day. Uh, Tommy's gone. Emilio Grio's gone. Tyrrell's gone. Homer's gone. Sanjay's gone. Kurt Kitayama, Rory, Colin, Ram, Scheffler, Thagala, Todd. They're all gone. So it's just, yeah. My, uh, my highest rank um, is Xander. <laughs> Who I've got left? Like I've used everyone above Xander, and 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 yeah, I don't have many in the, in the top twenty left at all. I, I'm probably going to do a Cam Young. I've got a Cam Young left. Um, yeah, I'm not sure who else I've got after that. Uh, yeah, I've got Hideki left. Hideki, Hideki left everyone cold last week. Like there were mm. so many people that went with Hideki last week, and uh, he MC hammered. So. Um, <laughs> Sorry for all the Hideki uh, followers and fans from last week. Yeah, but uh, twenty million this week at the FedEx in June. Uh, Live golf last week at the Greenbrier. Uh, the highlight story there was clearly Bryson's fifty-eight. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, I watched the highlights and he he couldn't miss a fairway uh, with that um, driver that he's got. Well, apparently, <laughs> apparently the driver doesn't miss fairways, Roscoe. So like I. I don't know. I, 58 to 58, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's the greatest, uh, the greatest exhibition for rollback, and you know this equipment's just too easy for a guy like him to hit. Like if he if he stands up on a driver box and he's got zero fear of missing a fairway, well, you know what's the point? 
Yeah, it was a crank driver, wasn't it? One of these yeah. long drives. Mm. Yeah. Unbelievable. Like, like he said, he's been reported that uh, Liv Adelaide that he wanted to find a driver that he could hit anywhere on the face. Um, and still find the fairway. It's like, well, like, well <laughs> why even bother? Yeah. Why even bother playing? Like, but, if you want to make it that easy. But well, my question, why isn't everyone using a crank driver? Like, what, what it, like I've hit one once. I've got a funny story about a crank driver, actually. Um, I've hit one once. It was the hardest thing that I've ever hit. Now, clearly, I'm not swinging at 130 miles an hour like Bryson is. But mm. why, why, other than the ones that get paid to use the club, but there are many people who are now free agents and, you know, certainly driver, you know, if they're 14, 12 club contracts, you know, they've got driver and a putter that aren't within the brand contract sometimes. Um, why aren't more people using a crank driver? Uh, cause yeah. Difficult. Maybe there will be this week. <laughs> oh, I, I, like the phone rang when uh, everyone wanted a jailbird putter, you know, yeah. eight-year-old putter from Odyssey after uh, – the US Open, I'm pretty sure that the phones will ring for crank drivers. We don't sell them at Drummer Golf. I'm not sure where you can get them. I'm not sure. Can you buy them in Australia? I think they might be like, I think maybe um, one of the shaft suppliers might sell. sell. Right. Yeah, you you can get them, but they're a sort of bespoke, unique thing, and they're absolutely usually um, synonymous with long drive competitions, you know, seven degrees, six degree, you know, obviously – um, they're legal yeah. drivers, but they just, for whatever reason, and, generate um, um, unbelievable amounts of ball speed, you know, in the right hands. Um, so, yeah, yeah, Bryson's using one of them. Unbelievable. But they've got, like, three different thicknesses of face available, which I'd never heard of that at all. Is that is that even a thing, Roscoe? Like, or, or I mean, a bit like the adjustable um, loft, you can, you have different, not that you can adjust the thickness of the face, but you can buy um, three different, variations of thickness that that is interesting uh, so i haven't rese- researched the product at all probably should have but no i didn't know that you can get three specific heads with different thickness faces what is not unfamiliar to me and you know if you want to tune into drummer golf tv over at drummer golf on the youtube channel you'll see my absolutely um beautiful mug adorning their videos talking about this sort of stuff but one of the things what i'm always talking about is forgiveness you know every driver manufacturer um you know, in the absence of being able to chase uh, more speed off the face in terms of because it's regulated, you know, they're all, all measured now. So, you know, they have to pass that COR test. So they're, they're chasing forgiveness. You know, they all go pretty long. They all go fairly long and similar to each other. But what they're trying to give is a more forgiving driver so you can hit it straighter. So you can hit it on the toe or on the heel for an average golfer like, you know, us and still get relative relatively straight and not lose uh, ball speed so maximize your distance out of hitting it across the face and the point i'm getting to is in the manufacturing of those faces you know there are thick points and thin points in different parts of the face because they know through ai testing and machine testing and robot testing that you know the different thicknesses of steel or titanium in the face make the ball perform differently when it's hit in those less effective parts so you know, it might be thin in one part and thick in another part, and that's all been designed to generate the right amount of ball speed relative to the contact. So thick and thin faces aren't unfamiliar. Thick and thin faces and a choice of in the same head is unfamiliar to me. Yeah, so interesting. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Callaway paradigm has, if you look at the rear of that face, it's like little waves, and it's just all metal and different thicknesses and thinness all over the face, and it's all been done by this AI supercomputer. They were the first ones to use AI in golf club manufacture. Um, 
to, to build these faces all through doing AI testing about um, the performance of the ball when it hits the face and yeah it's, it's amazing so crank drivers I've got no idea no idea. Yeah. Uh, but 58, regardless of the driver and how far it's going, how straight he can and how much you can't miss, you've still got to shoot 58. And it was it was pretty. With a bogey. Yeah. In the wet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's part on 18 is special. Like, yeah. The certain angles of that was like, wow, it's up and down and around and just beeline straight in the hole. It was, uh, it was good. You know, he's a polarizing character and, uh, you know, love him or not, uh, 58. He's always going to have it now. So, um, yeah, it's uh, something that he can hang his hat on. Question to you two fellas. You know, Rocket, who fan of the podcast and, you know, helped me get this whole co-hosting thing off the ground, you know, had a love-hate with uh, relationship with Bryson. Um, you know, he challenged his uh, university qualifications and he challenged everything that Bryson, <laughs> Bryson did and that's pretty, pretty widely known amongst the cohort. But has Bryson mellowed? Yeah, you know, now that he's got off the the sausage rolls and burgers, is he is he mellowing? Is he is he becoming more widely appealing, more broadly appealing to people? I'm not sure. Right. What do you guys think? Here you go, Scott. Yeah, you've got to take on. Um, I think he's uh, he's mellowed. He still says some dumb stuff, um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like he's he's not. He doesn't seem to be as out there um, as he used to be. And look, that also could be just from not being in front of the camera every second week or every week. Like, he, you know, we don't see him as often. So um, maybe he's not having, you know, as many opportunities to to say dumb stuff or, or do do Bryson things. But, um, yeah, um, I don't know. I guess maybe he has mellowed a bit. I think, yeah. Sorry, go on, Dan. Oh, I think he has. Uh, I actually bumped into him at the Adelaide Casino when we were uh, at Live down there and, one of my mates got a photo with him and uh, he said he was, you know, an okay guy and, you know, these guys are celebrities at these things and don't need to give up their time but did. Uh, remember the throwback to his hat when he first joined the tour? Uh, he's, he's now donning the cap, but that hat was, you know, pretty much him in a nutshell. Just a bit quirky. Mm. Uh, um, and, yes, he puts his foot in his mouth all the time. And uh, But, yeah, like, I think you're right there, Scott. I just don't think we hear from him much anymore and, uh and that's probably a good thing for Bryson DeChambeau is just let the crank do the talking and, uh, yeah, leave the interviews to someone else. Yeah. He, he certainly, at Live, he certainly did as much as he could do to uh, try and engage the fans and, he, he, you know, like whether you're like a shoey or not or whatever, like he, he did one of those. But he did one of those like under much pressure from the people who were standing there watching him and, and they were standing there watching because it was like 5.30 in the evening and he was still on the range grinding balls. No, everyone else had gone home, jumped in the free cars and gone home. He was still out there banging balls. And he had a crowd of, I don't know if you saw that, uh, Dan. Yeah, yeah, saw that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, why, yeah. why didn't we see each other? And uh, he was still there banging balls. Yeah. And then they, they've egged him on to the point where he had to, you know, do a shoey. And he could have said no, but he did it. And, uh, you know, he gave, the, yeah. he gave the fans what he wanted. No, good on him. And you, Roscoe, we've just talked about Lucas Glover grinding for, for two years to get his game back. And like, fair to say, um, Bryson was not playing good golf, uh, you know, when he started on 
live or and and for a long period of time like everyone had said he was done and he was just a youtuber and he was not a real golfer he wasn't playing um good golf at all but like credit where credit's due like he has obviously worked his butt off as as hard as anyone and to come back and to you know to shoot a 58 and and there could be half a dozen asterisks to that 58 but it's a 58 um uh, at the end of the day and he's obviously played pretty very very good golf and he's been playing good golf he's you know k in the majors um and yeah, I think he's an interesting conversation for Ryder Cup. I mean, I don't think they'll pick him, um, but I, I, they'd have to talk about him. Um, you know, his golfers had to have put him in the conversation. They might not pick him because they might not think he's a good team team guy or whatever. And whether that's right or wrong, that's not for me to say. But um, yeah, that it, he's playing well enough to be talked about. I reckon. Absolutely. Yeah. His, yeah, his OWGR, I think he's at 100 and something in the world. So, yeah, the sooner they get that part of... Well, that's not going to get him in. No, no definitely not. <laughs> well, I've got Brooks playing. The only live golfer playing is Brooks Kopka uh, for the US team. Um, oh, there might be a Euro, maybe a Euro or two, but maybe not. But, yeah, that's what I've got on uh, the top 12 from the America is just Brooks Kopka, which just had a baby. Yep. Who else have you got while you're talking about, uh, you know, you mentioned it there, so what's you've done? Yeah, yeah. You've got a list list happening. I love a list. Yeah, well, I've got to be prepared. Uh, Scheffler, Wyndham Clark, Brian Harmon, Brooks Cocker, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantlay, Max Homer, Cameron Young, Jordan Spieth, Keegan Bradley, Colin Morikawa, and Sam Burns. So who are the the picks in there? Is Keegan a pick? Are they all... Keegan's already in. Uh, yeah, sorry, the picks. Yeah, would be the bottom tw- bottom six would be going from twelve backwards: Burns, Morikawa, Bradley, Spieth, Young, Max Homer. Okay, they'd be the they'd be the obvious captains' picks, but things could change. Question marks over that, Scott. My- yeah, I mean, I'm definitely taking Ricky, yeah. um, and probably not Keegan. Um, I don't know if I'm taking Sam and Colin. I think, um, uh, you know, it's Russell Henley, um, you know, getting into the conversation again. Like maybe he's a good course fit um, over there. But, yeah, I'm definitely taking uh, Ricky over. Um, and and I, I, I mean, I'd... <laughs> I'd uh, I'd be thinking about JT, but I, I, I probably wouldn't select him based on his form. I mean, he clearly showed some passion there in the last round or so um, at that event and um, played some decent golf. But he's probably not done enough um, to over you know overtake some of the other guys. But um, yeah, I probably wouldn't take Keegan and probably Sam. Uh, um, my question marks over Colin. I don't I don't know yeah. why I, I just. Well, he's my pick this week, so hopefully he wins and then he's yeah, back in it. Yeah. this week. Actually, no, sorry, that's not right. That's like the third week in a row I've said something about my tips that he's just not not right. Like my tip is Xander, just for the record. Okay, well, we'll talk- because I've already used Colin. Well, we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about that in a sec. No, just going out of live. We may as well just as we're talking about this week's events coming up and who we are going to tip and just some of the background around the events and their. Obviously, a couple of very key events, but one of the other events is live to go back to back weekends. Second time in the year, they've gone back to back. They went Adelaide into Singapore, then they go from um, Greenbrier into Trump Bedminster. I believe it's, a, if I remember rightly, a pretty reasonable 
sort of tournament venue, Fazio course up there in New Jersey, obviously owned by uh, Donald Trump. Um, we picked Torquay last week uh, as our team. I'm pretty sure we did. Um, any thoughts around this week? You want to have a guess at who you might think, uh, you know, be the uh, the live Trump cards? No pun intended. Pick a yeah, you go, Dan. You go. I think Bryson's team will win. His form will continue and they'll win. The crushers. So you're going Bryson, Bryson into the crushers. So you're going a Bryson team win. Okay, I like that. Okay. I, don't know, I, can, I can just see like Trump and Bryson <laughs> hand on the trophy, <laughs> uh, Trump Edmonds. Uh, it could be a better ad for Liv, I don't reckon. Oh, dear. Uh, Rocket would have it. Wouldn't Rocket be having a field day right now? Uh, He's up, oh. up there in Queensland. Hey, um, okay. Well, I'll go with Bryson as well. Uh, but just on, on that, it's getting to the pointy end of the, the live season. Obviously, Asian tour season. There's a few more international events. There's three players here that you know on the cusp of you know being in the re- not on the cusp. They're in the relegation zone. A very own Jed Morgan, uh, C1 yeah. Kim, and the interesting one is Chase Kepka. Is, is Brooks going to have to relegate his own brother, or his own brother was going to be relegated by the the system? Um, is, is that is that going to has that going to sit in the Kepka household at Christmas? You know, Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Can, yeah, I don't know how that's going to work. Um, you know, Joe, I did see the bit on Jed Morgan. You know, great guy, very talented golfer. But uh, as we've seen on every tour, it's the fine margins that, yeah, mean the di- it's the difference between keeping your card and not. So, um, look, I hope so. But I've always had thoughts that there would be a, another Aussie join that team. Um, Jed was a, a place filler for a bit. But, um, you know, don't say that disrespectfully. He's a very talented golfer, but... Yeah, there are a lot of Aussies out there that uh, that could could join that team and add value, but we'll see. And uh, Chase, yeah, I I think he was always a, a free meal ticket, but uh, yeah, totally. his brother, but yeah, uh, look, he's he's got himself an ace in Adelaide uh, in front of the raging Aussie crowd, so yeah, I'm sure he'll uh, have fond memories of his time with golf. Yeah, it's funny. My, my my young fella, my young fella is at the at any kind of mention of live or see it on the TV or whatever. Like he, he's six and a half, and like every time he's like, "Oh, remember when Chase got a hole in one? How good was that?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, mate, I remember the guys. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Uh, live golf, growing the game, right there. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Um, okay, so we're going with uh, Brooks to go back to back because it is a back to back week. There you go. Um, all right, so. The other big event uh, is probably one where I will be staying up late and getting uh, next week's um, circadian rhythm off to a off to a no good start in terms of the sleep stakes. Will the AIG Women's Open, British Women's Open, being played at Walton Heath? Now it's been a while since we've seen a professional event at Walton Heath. I think it was the British Masters, maybe 2017-ish. I remember the course. Uh, Reasonably well. Um, well, I remember the, the vibe of the course, the look of the course. You know, it's that Heathland, south, about an hour south of London, you know, in that sort of London, uh, England, Heathland sort of belt there where you get some of that classic architecture there. Walton Heath is one of the courses when you speak to anyone that understands the value and the, and the beauty of playing golf in England. Walton Heath is always one of the courses that gets mentioned as one of the best uh, that they've enjoyed playing. Uh, you know, it's relatively flat. A lot of heather, you know, a lot of those bunker lips where they allow the heather to grow sort of on top of the bunker there. So it's just defining the green space and the and the um, and the bunker space. It's quite aesthetically pretty. Um, I think it's a it will be again a wonderful course as Millfield was last year for the the Women's Open, and we're going to see some quality golf uh, being played. Ash Buhai, we know, is the defending champion. Um, 
she's had a great year yep. on tour. She won a home yep. open. She won the Australian Open. She's done a great job of representing the Women's Open trophy around the world, especially in, in her home in South Africa. She had to hand it back this week. Always a sad moment for great champions to hand it back. She's a lovely girl. I uh, had the opportunity to meet her and, and talk to her and her and her husband, Dave. Um, yeah, what do we what do we think about the uh, British women's is at Walton Heath? Yeah, it's going to be uh, a good a good kind of final major for the year, mate. Um, all, all the big stars are there. We've had a change in the number one ranking, so Nelly Corder is back to number one. Um, hasn't been playing that great, so I don't know how long she'll stay there, but um, could also be just what she needs to, you know, get back on on form and uh, and have a good one. But um, yeah, that, that part of the world, Roscoe, I've never played golf there, but. Um, uh, from what I hear, is very underrated um, part of the uh, golfing landscape. Uh, you'd agree with that? Oh, 100%. And again, I've never played down there, but I've spoken to many, many of my golfing counterparts and colleagues that have. Um, and seemingly, in the, you know, it would appear that post-COVID, you know, travel mm. back on the cards, you know, really has been uh, a part of the golfing landscape in the UK that, people sort out you know the, the the Sunningdales and the Wentworths and then the Formbys and uh you know the Hoylakes and the Lytham St Anne's and the Walton Heaths and the um all of all of the great sort of even down south you know in Rye and um down at Deal and all the courses around there they've just loved going down there um so can't wait to get down there and, and play some golf uh hopefully next year but uh yeah I'm looking forward to seeing this this again yeah because most people think of scotland they think about going to the uk and they just want to head yeah. straight to scotland and and rightly so but you know this this part of the world is becoming very much um a little bit like uh amsterdam you know, sort of dutch you know, dutch links courses are you know becoming mm. a little bit more well known and more accessible and more sought after um yeah so yep. yeah i can't wait to see it uh we've got um uh we've got a tip of winner um for this event who do, who? Well, Dan, Dan, do you do you do any? Do you put any bets on uh, on the women's mate, on the majors? You've got a form guide here. I'm a bit out of touch with it. There's one uh, market that I do follow for the women's, but look, I had a quick look just then. I don't know how she's performing right now, but England's Melissa Mel Reed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that name stands out to me a little bit, but I'd like to see an Aussie again. Uh, Minji would be would be fantastic if she was coming good last week. I saw that, you know, she was pretty favoured last week. I think her odds were 14 to 1. So, um, yeah, I'd like to see Minji contest. That would be probably my next my next better, if not a local win, Mel Reed. Scott? Yeah, we've, we've been we've been trying to will a, a win for Minji the last, uh, the last couple of months, haven't we, Roscoe? So hopefully it happens this week. Um, I, I'm going to go with, uh, I think you had a really good go at the pronunciation earlier, Roscoe, but I'm going to have a go with Hui Ju, Hui Yu Kim. Um, she's, uh, she's been playing pretty good golf. She had uh, a, a second place last week um, to uh, Celine. So, and yeah, she's gone second place, T20, T6, T20, and then fifth to fifth second so she's um i don't know she's uh looks like she's having a pretty good year and it could you know trend up to a win for the, in the last major okay i don't mind that i'm gonna pick uh i'm gonna pick maya stark i'm gonna pick maya stark she she showed me something uh the scottish women's uh she looked like she had a bit of fire in the belly she wasn't happy with her last round and some of the some of the uh, things that she made probably mistakes on. Uh, she's learnt from that, I would say. But I, th- I like Maya Stark, um, the girl from Sweden. Uh, she she looks like she could win something at some stage. Um, 
at a high level, and I'm going to go with Maya Stark as an international winner. Top Aussie for me, I'm going to stick with Steph Kiriakou. Yeah. I'm going to stick with Steph, and uh, hopefully she can uh, get it get it done. And congratulations to uh, Kelsey Bennett too, by the way, for uh, finishing T8 in final qualifying, which was uh, held on Monday at Hankley Common. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, my very good friend, Gabrielle McDonald, did not qualify. She drove down there from Edinburgh. She had plus four and finished T69th, but um, hopefully Gabrielle can get her game back on track. She's had a tough couple of years, but uh, yeah, well done to uh, Kelsey Bennett for qualifying and teeing it up in the in the Women's Open. Going to be a great one to watch and uh, if you've got any tips out there, whoever is listening um, at this stage, please let us know. Okay, FedEx and Jude, we sort of talked a little bit about this. We've got down to the top yep. 70, not top 125 anymore, top No, 70. big change for the year. Yep, so uh, that caught, rustled a few feathers, but um, but no, it's top 70 and then the top 50 go through the next week. But So points are quadrupled this week, Roscoe. So uh, so big reward for some uh, high finishes and I'm sure everyone's going to try and get that that kind of high high finish to uh, put themselves in a good spot for the next couple of um tournaments but uh yes yeah, a second time this course has hosted the uh a playoff event um first time last year so return tons of water on this track mate lots of water um yeah that 18th if you remember is a big kind of dog leg par four dog leg left um with water all the way up the left hand side so um so that could make for some interesting finishes um, yeah, we've got an island green on the 11th as well. So um, I think I read earlier that Siwoo Kim made a 13 on that in uh, 2021. So I remember that. I don't think he's – yeah. Um, but, yeah, t- tons of water for them to uh, navigate. Um, but, yeah, past 70 should be pretty pretty low scoring. I did like uh, the reference to the, the, uh, the different stats there that Dan was – um, talking about earlier and, and how he's gone about picking a winner. So, um, so yeah, that uh, should be good. Tennessee. Dan, you know, you're the form form guide follow-up. What you, what's your rundown? Yeah, look, with what I've seen and, and heard of the course, uh, and a few of the experts out there, like I said, accuracy is the premium this week. There's, there's lots of water in play. If the wind gets up, uh, it's another thing these guys do. They, they check. Uh, weather patterns and make sure that uh, if there's a wave advantage, you know who who you're looking at, whether it's morning or afternoon tea times. But um, yeah, I like I really like Sam Burns this week. Uh, he was runner up here last year. Uh, Bermuda Burns and his iron play at the moment is is trending. So uh, not your obvious choice. I wouldn't think there's some sort of hotter players out there. But uh, yeah, I I've got a feeling Burns is going to show up this week. Uh, I also penciled down Morikawa, Fitzy, Tommy Fleetwood, and Gerald Hatt. But um, between Burns and Morikawa, they're probably my favourite two this week. And you have those in Teepster, mate, or no? Oh, I'm happy to put either of them in tapes. I do, I do have them, yeah, because I've oh, got Fitzy. Yeah, yeah. So look, I will put Burns in, and uh, hopefully, I'll get up to top twenty, maybe uh, if if he jags a win. Yeah. Interesting. Bermuda Burns. So, you know, what's the background on why he's called Bermuda Burns? He's obviously performs well on the Bermuda green grass. Uh, is that what you're saying there? Yeah, like the Data Lake, they, they run the stats on players on certain green surfaces and, and Burns' number one surface is Bermuda and he just outperforms everyone else. Uh, not to say that, you know, he has to still have a week with the putter but and, and every other 
you know, shot in his bag. But um, if he can find the putter on the on his favourite Bermuda, then he's um, you know half the battle's won. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. It's uh, like I said, it's not the you know obvious picks of Rory McIlroy and uh, some of the you know Rams and Schefflers, but uh, it's. I don't think any week you can be certain that any one of those players is going to take it down when you've, mm. you when you start to sit back and look at what is actually you know what determines a winner. Uh, look at Brian Harmon at the the Open, like you know he surprised everyone, but his game suited that those conditions, that course, and and that's what you know we look for every week just to get that little bit of an edge over uh, over others on team stuff. Yeah, Bermuda Burns. Yeah. Hands up, hands up here. Can I have a show of hands if you like putting on Bermuda? My hands gone. My, my hands pointing further you know, south to the Antarctic. No. It, if someone puts well on Bermuda, I would think in terms of a stat and performance sort of measurement, it would have. It's like must be like double double factoring because mm. it is such a hard surface to putt on. And if you're not putting on it all the time, and we've seen that here in Australia, the Queensland guys, you know, that love putting on Bermuda. They'll grow up putting on Bermuda, can understand what those greens do. I don't know how they under, understand it. It's like voodoo magic um, because it's the only surface that you've ever seen where, you, you know, the putt breaks clearly left to right or right to left and it goes the other way. Or yeah. it's crazy the, the skill that it takes to read those greens and understand what they do and how it does it every time. Um, so, yeah, I, I reckon that's a double factoring of performance Um if you've played and putted well on Bermuda Green. So Sam Burns might be a good chat. Sam yeah, and I think I think last week might have been Bermuda from what I might have heard today that Glover, you know, putted well on Bermuda and he's uh, he might continue with the hot hand and and go on with it. But you know, it's a win back to back on the PGA tour and I pre- I think he's probably a bit relieved more than anything to uh, to get that monkey off his back. But yeah, you know, also pretty cooked after that, wouldn't he? Yeah. I think so, yeah. I don't I, I'm I I'm not going with that narrative that he he continues to perform outperform himself. I think he's the relief just gonna uh, yeah for him to have his card secured now is a job done. Yeah, well we've got two Aussies, Cam Davis and uh, Jason Day. Um, Cam Davis, I think, finished T five here last year, so he obviously uh, doesn't mind doesn't mind the the track from uh, that. Uh, stat basically, so he could yep. go well. Um, Jason Day having a resurgence of a year. Interesting. Yep. I'm not sure who I'm going to tip. Uh, I don't want to be the non-tipping tipper. I don't want to be the fence-sitting tipper. And uh, as I said before, I'm not sure who I've still got. But uh, at some stage, in terms of big names, in the next week or so, I'm going to have to pick a Hideki Matsuyama. I'm not sure how Hideki's played here. I haven't, haven't done that research. Um, and I might have to pick a Colin Murakawa because I don't think I've picked Colin this year because I've been out of love for Colin. I had showed plenty of love for Colin. Brandon Todd, I've picked him. Uh, he's one that sort of might have been an outsider that I might have picked. Picked. Uh, he had a decent win last, a decent week last week. JT Poston had a decent week, so I don't think I've picked JT Poston. So I'm really just looking at those names that have showing a little bit of form. Hideki's based on last week's not one of those, but he's a big game player and, you know, proven that in the in the majors where he does turn up for majors. So, you know, you're not putting this in the major category, but you're sort of tuning yourself up to this point time of the year like a major, I'd have to imagine. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to reserve uh, my judgment for one of those, those guys that I've just mentioned there. 
That was a long list, Roscoe. That's, yeah. Can you can you shorten it down to a couple or no? Yeah, no we don't promise anyone. Any, you just named the whole bloody field, mate. No, I said JT Post and I said uh, Hideki Matsuyama. I said, uh, who else did I say? I, I said not Brandon Todd because I picked him. Um, so um, And maybe a Sam, uh, a Sam Burns. I don't think I picked the Sam Burns. So I like the Bermuda Burns. So I've got three. I'm nailing down to three. Okay. Out of three. Now, mate, you said uh, there's only two Aussies in the field. I wonder if that is the least number of Aussies that have made the playoffs um, in some time. And uh, that there's been a few changes, 125 down to 70, and then also what Leash and Cam were at least in the playoffs last year. They're obviously not this year. But, yeah, only two two in there. How do we feel about that? Uh, when I realised that, it was, a, it was a little bit sort of sad, uh, but... As you say, the reality is, um, as you just mentioned, you know, there's a few of the good ones that can't qualify, and um, there's a few that just missed out. So, yep. You know. And of those of those ones that we're sort of not mentioning, they're they're also playing for their cards in the the off season or the fall in America. Lucas Herbert, Harrison Endicott, Cameron Percy, uh, they got work to do in off season to uh, retain their cards. But... Where where is Herbie? Uh, the, um sitting at the moment. Do you want to have a read on? 120 something, 126, 125. Mm. And and uh, what have you got to make, Dan, to keep your card? Do you know off the top of your head? Yeah, you've got to be in the top 125 uh, by the end of the fall. To have full status. Yeah. Right. It's between 126 and 150 for the next status. Yeah. yeah. So I was just looking at the Aussies to make sure that, you know, these guys got to go around again next year. But um, mm. uh, Lucas is 10th in the race to Dubai. So the top 10 in that automatically qualifies. So he yeah. might turn his focus to that if there's still, uh, yeah, that might be his avenue. But look, I, I'm sure I'm missing something and, and he's sitting at home thinking, I've, you know, I've got plenty of time to, do what I need to do to get back you know, my car by my full status. So, yeah, yeah just, just names that I noted that were uh, outside key numbers. It, can't, this... can't imagine Lucas sitting back just going, who's this Dan guy? What's he saying? <laughs> I hope he's watching. Clearly, clearly he's waiting for me to sit back and upload this tonight and he's yeah. going, you know, hey, Ross, where's the bloody podcast? Um, did he have – is this his second, his second year with his card – and his exemption from winning the Bermuda is, is would that be right in thinking that? There's, so he doesn't have. He's at one fifty-two. Um, I, I was thinking that as well, Roscoe. I think he, yeah, the, this could be his second year of exemption through the win. Um, yeah, so he might have another form of exemption that I'm missing. But um, yeah, like uh, Scott said, he's one fifty-two, so he's he's not a, in the best place right. Uh, he's through twenty three, twenty four. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Okay, so he doesn't matter. Is that what we're saying? For him, he's he's locked in for next year, or regardless? yeah. So he that sounds like season twenty three, twenty four. He's he's good. Got full full status. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Min Wu, where does where how does Min Wu fare? He's got that special membership for this year. Uh, does does he have to? earn a place or that special membership is just for this year and then he's got to get this final stage and qualify through final stage or something like that or yeah i didn't see min Wu's name actually good good point i didn't come across it so yeah. i 
We might have to do some homework and research. And uh, as we finish off the big part of the season, uh, Scott, uh, for the next couple of weeks, you know, obviously we've got the BMW Championship and then the Tour Championship at Eastlake uh, the following week. We might yep. have to uh, do a bit more digestion of that as well as the uh, Ryder Cup as we get closer to that. Yeah, sounds good, Roscoe. Well, gents, um, it's been another hour and 20 minutes of power. Uh, Scott's got a meeting to get to. Dan, you've got uh, probably some late-minute emails to attend to and get ready for taking down Nathan Barbieri tomorrow. That's right. That's um, right. Say good day to Nathan. Uh, very good. I uh, really do appreciate you coming on, Dan. And as I said before, uh, if if you need any insurance uh, advice in the golf industry, uh, well, there's no one better to talk to than Dan Bateup from... Uh, Australian golf business um, notes are in the show notes there, all the links that you can get hold of Dan uh, a massive supporter of uh, the podcast and us so I really do appreciate you coming on uh, we should have you back um, because you're absolutely uh, a wealth of knowledge in terms of um, your tour following so we, we'd love to have you back anytime you want yeah thanks man uh, uh, really enjoyed really enjoyed it and uh, look if people just want to call me to discuss golf feel free to do that as well so uh, <laughs> yeah it's been really fun thanks for having me Ah, very good. Uh, Scott, thank you again, mate. Uh, really do appreciate all the time that you're giving up and uh, effort you're putting into uh, helping me keep this going. I uh, do appreciate uh, all of that and uh, thank you very much. Yeah, no worries at all, Roscoe. Thank you. And, uh, mate, have a good weekend and everything and hopefully you get some golf in between now and next week and we can hear about your golfing prowess i'm trying i've got the the energy levels are increasing you know, when it's not just work related golf you know so last week i had a great time hitting about one million uh, shots with the new titleist t100 t150 t200 and t350 i've whacked more yellow range balls down peninsula kingswood range uh, than i ever had so the swing and the contact and the compression feels great um as did those new irons if you want to check those out check the video out but um uh sensational product it really is um scott you need some new t1 t150s i'm good with my p770s mate thank okay, you no, no problems yeah uh, dan you're you know there's no you're like uh who's the most ping who's the most ping man on tour on tour yeah. uh tony Finau, maybe tony Finau. Tony? you're more ping than tony Finau. you're you're <laughs> more tone than big tone i do love my i-59s yes i, um, I do indeed you know what because they're a fantastic club that's i was saying this to someone yesterday i said probably one of the best clubs i've ever hit just straight off the bat just put my shaft in screw the fitting head in and hit that it was the i-59s just felt so good yeah very good uh if you've liked what we've done uh really does mean a lot if you can go to your itunes and if you do listen most of the people listen to it on itunes do a do a rating do a subscribe do a share all of that sort of stuff on itunes really does help um get this podcast into some more ears and some more uh eyeballs uh, if we can get back to putting this on youtube we'll try and work on that scott we'll keep bumping the youtube up um yeah, very good. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Yes. See you guys.